Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here as we are streaming live on the Props Network. We're on Twitch, we're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and I hope you're on here with us. Coming up soon is none other than Mr. Joel Walkowski as we're going to talk NBA bubble bets. Um, I tell you what, folks, as I get started here at 3 p.m. Eastern time on a Monday morning, I was so relieved that the Miami Heat were able to pull off a win 115 to 104 over the Los Angeles Lakers because I was worried that after all of the excitement, all of the the weeks that Joel and I have been talking NBA, we've been watching basketball games, that the NBA finals were going to just be a flop. And not by any fault of the Miami Heats. You know, when you are playing without two of your best players in Bam Adebayo and Goran Dragic, yeah, you're not the same team. But thankfully, none other than Jimmy Butler came through with an epic performance, a triple-double. You know, you just couldn't get a better game out of Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat yesterday. And even at the end, when you got the little from Tyler Hero, it was an and one layup. I didn't think it was worth all of the, the bravado that came with, you know, the stank face that we got out of Tyler Hero, but I digress. In the end, I am just happy that they got a win and we got a series because I was, you know, despondent that it was just going to be a sweep and there wasn't going to be much action. And no, now we've got a game and we've got a lot to talk about with Joel. Uh, We're going to talk first about uh, Doc Rivers being the new head coach of the 76ers, whether it was a Lakers letdown or if it was, you know, a resurgence by the Miami Heat. Um, Of course, we're going to get to our picks and props. You know, uh, I predicted the Miami Heat would win 4-2 in the series and they still got a shot. Lakers have only won two games. Miami finally gets on the board with a win. They're down one, two, but it ain't over yet. So we're going to talk about uh, our series predictions, our finals MVP predictions. You're taking LeBron or the field. Well, now you could say maybe you take Jimmy Butler or LeBron or the field. Uh, We'll talk game four, preview game four coming up uh, later this week. And our last second shot, we've got a lot to get to. Uh, I miss the NBA on TNT. It's just not the same without it. Uh, we've got, uh, Saturday Night Live and their NBA bubble draft. If you didn't catch that, make sure you watch that before you join on with us. You can join our chat as we talk about that. Uh, and we'll get into some W, right? The WNBA finals is going on as well between the Las Vegas Aces. Never thought we'd see a professional team in Las Vegas. And now we got two of them in the Aces and the Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL, And uh, yeah, they're going up against probably the best player, maybe of all time in the NBA, 
excuse me, in the WNBA on the Seattle Storm. Uh, they're going against the Las Vegas Aces. So, uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Um, but before we talk about anything NBA, I just want to say that I just I was so wrong yesterday. I picked the Lakers to win. I picked the Lakers to cover. And this was probably my first experience with being this close, this close on the over-under. I can't believe I said I'm taking the over at 219 and a half. And what happens? They score 219 points. And as they're dribbling out the clock, you know, the uh, well, actually, technically, the Lakers got the, the ball last. I was so disappointed. I just could not believe that that's what it came down to, that it was literally a half a point. And it was 0.7 seconds on the clock, and I knew the Lakers weren't going to, you know, just heave it down the court and have some miraculous half-court shot. No, I was just done for. That's it. 0 for 3. 0 for 3 yesterday. Uh, yeah, that was quite disappointing. But for all of you that also are, are into gambling and betting on, you know, sports and the NBA in this case, you know, you're going to get some bad beats. You're going to win some. You're going to lose some. And it was still a good game. And that's what kept me until the very end. I was like, 219 and a half, 219 and a half. Dang, just couldn't get it. Just couldn't get it. All right. Uh, but what you can get, you can get your bet on. If you're going to bet on the NBA bubble, then why not get some bonuses? Visit thepropsnetwork.com and find out about all the deals running at the top U.S. online sports books. Right now at PointsBet, there's score first insurance. If your NBA team scores first but loses a game, and there are only two of them left, you can only pick Lakers or the Heat. You can get your money back in free bets up to $50. This is just one of the sportsbook deals that you can miss out on if you don't stay tuned to TPN. That's the Props Network. So check us out at today at thepropsnetwork.com and never miss a bonus. Now remember, it's 21 and over to bet. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. All right, let's get it going with the warm-up here. We've got Doc Rivers coaching the 76ers as we bring in Joel Walkowski to talk NBA hoops. And I know, I know he's got a lot to say about Doc Rivers, who was let go from the Los Angeles Clippers. And days later, he's got a new gig. What's up, Joel? How you doing? I'm doing good. Um, you know, it's midterms for me. Everyone knows that in addition to doing the Lord's work over here at the Props Network, I'm going for two master's degrees. And you know what? I'm a busy guy, but I always make time. And seeing Doc Rivers just carelessly, needlessly ignore an amazing time off and to take a job, a damaged job at that with the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers was just disrespectful to my current schedule. Doc, <laughs> you know what? I would give $1,000 for two days in a weekend where I could kick back, relax, drink some Arnold Palmers, and play Frisbee. And you're telling me you're going to go from nine years consecutive of the hardest job in the NBA, that is taking the Los Angeles Clippers into relevancy from the Don Sterling era, you're gonna give. You're gonna leave that job. Sure, 
fine, understandable. There's lots of perspectives. But do you need to take a job within five days? Like, take a weekend at least. I was really surprised that he didn't take more time. And then I thought about it, and it's like he was wounded. I don't think he really wanted to leave the Clippers. I think he still obviously had the fire for coaching. And I don't, maybe this is a good fit for him because he can resurrect a team that as we talk going into the bubble, there was a lot of action on the Sixers to make it to the NBA finals. You have two of the top young talented players in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. You've got a good core around them. It probably would have been better if they kept JJ Redick, not a young core, but you know, you got Matisse Thibel on the defensive side. I think it was just kind of like, you know, to take a quote, this was Doc Rivers quote. Uh, I want, quote, I want to make sure people know that I'm here to win. We have a lot of work to do, but it's work we are willing to do. He wants to work, Joel. He wants to be at it. He wants to be a coach and show that, hey, I could have still been the coach of the Clippers and, and won them an NBA championship. And can I say that I agree with everything that you said in your, I knew you were going to come with a passionate Doc Rivers soliloquy this week, but um, it's just your brand, baby. But can I say I agree with everything you said, but the thing that's most interesting to me is the thing you started with. Like, it just strikes me as an, an emotional, revenge-like decision, and I don't think that's necessarily the decisions you make when you're emotional or trying to, like, prove something to someone else those rarely prove to be the most rat, the, the most well thought out logical decisions. And, mm -hmm. you know, it just seemed a little rushed into a franchise where every decision they've done seems a little rushed. And like, I say, take a weekend. Cause he literally didn't take a weekend. Doc Rivers got fired on Monday, had a job by Friday. And like, if you're going to do like a big move to like reorient your career, your family, where you're living, I think that at least, you know, some reflection is required by that. There is reflection, and you're right. Overall, I probably would have said, let me take a beat, relax for a little bit. Um, it was an emotional decision. I mean, this team has Tobias Harris and Al Horford to go along with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as like kind of like the core four as we move from big three to now you got to have, you know, uh, four to five top players in order to try to win, it seems like these days. But I also think for him, um, I think he just, he's not ready to quit. When he's ready to quit, he'll call it quits and be done with basketball, period. And he's just not there yet. And then I also add to that, you have a guy who, okay, it was one thing when the Los Angeles Clippers blew a 3-1 lead. And then to say that, add on to that narrative of, oh, Doc Rivers lost multiple 3-1 leads. But I think the tough thing is it's not like he is a coach that's lost multiple 3-1 leads and doesn't have an NBA championship on his resume. He knows how to win. He knows how to get that championship trophy for the team, as he did with the Boston Celtics. And so I think it was like a no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you get away with this narrative of I am not a good coach. 
I'm going to show you, and I'm immediately going to take, I mean, Joe, can you think of another team that it would have been worth coaching right now that was open? Indiana? Would you take Indiana? I don't know. I think the Philadelphia 76ers is the best offer you're going to get this year for a coach who's saying, I'm not taking a break. I don't want to take a break. I want to coach. And, you know, I, I agree from that perspective. And I think it's intriguing from Doc's perspective, because what were the problems with the Los Angeles Clippers? They had poor team chemistry and they didn't have an offense. Mm -hmm. And Doc showed an inability to solve those problems during the Nuggets series. He showed an inability to adjust. And now with the Sixers, and like you mentioned Horford, but that's just dead cap at this point. You mentioned Tobias Harris, but he doesn't have a meaningful impact on the game. And the Sixers are in this situation where they have two superstars who don't necessarily go too well together. Ben Simmons, I think, is the better, more dedicated player. Joel Embiid is the one the city loves. So I just think he's just con do solving the same problems, but changing the variables. Changing the variables. And there's no doubt that Doc Rivers will be changing the variables, changing the narrative of the Philadelphia 76ers. I texted a good friend that is a part of that organization. And I said, congratulations. And I wish him the best. And I'm going to be rooting for Doc and everyone with the Sixers to uh, make a good showing of this signing because it definitely was kind of a quick draw. But, you know, let, let's hope it goes well. Yeah, and you know what the Sixers need, in my estimation, they need an offensive scheme that kind of trims the fat off their centerpieces and just creates just a system of offense that plays to their strengths. Like, no team in Doc Rivers' resume has really had that sort of existence. Like, the Kawhi-era Clippers had no offense. The Lob City era were a pick-and-roll machine. And then in the Celtics, it was just kind of good team ball that's the closest mm -hmm. team. that was a team that won off of defense and then even going back to Orlando that was throw Tracy McGrady the keys and get out of here I don't know if Doc Rivers is the guy for this job I mean it's the best job for Doc but I don't think it's Doc is the best candidate for Philadelphia in this situation wow well that remains to be seen uh what will happen with Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers what also remains to be seen is will the Miami Heat continue this run and make a series out of it. I thought that they were dead, Joel. I had the Lakers winning this game. The, the Heat were playing without two of their best players. And in game three, Jimmy Butler, I mean, it was amazing. A 40-pointer game, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. I mean, this guy was magical. He was magical. He had the coffee in his veins, to say the least. Um, I Actually, he had 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Where do you put this as a win for the Miami Heat, as in they stepped up or the Lakers had a letdown? You know what? I'm going to take it in a different direction. I think this is a feather in the cap of the legend of Jimmy Butler that we've witnessed through this entire bubble season. And when we have a Lakers juggernaut, 
in the finals against a team that's incredibly overmatched in Miami's instance. It's just due to injuries. It's not their fault. But you know what? If an if a legend can be forged off of a single win in an NBA Finals game, I think this is up there with Allen Iverson winning game one versus the 2001 Lakers. Wow. Things were spiraling out of control. And not only was Jimmy Butler in the, the best player in that game, he played LeBron's style of basketball. You know, he out, he outscored LeBron. He out-rebounded LeBron. He out-assisted LeBron. Why? Because he had to. And, like, the shots he was making down the stretch had an incredible degree of difficulty. He scored 40 points without scoring a three-pointer. With everything on the line, he had the biggest balls performance you could possibly have. And you know what? People resonate with Iverson because he's an underdog. Mm -hmm. Physically, he shouldn't be there. But as, like, you know, someone who's worked a blue-collar job and just shown up and tried to be effective, like... That performance really resonated with me. I I loved it. Jimmy Butler became became the first player, foe or teammate, to have more points, rebounds, and assists in a finals game in which LeBron James also played. He scored or assisted on 73 of Miami's points, tied for second most in a finals game. And I just marveled at him because... The Miami Heat are Jimmy Butler, and I think that he just seemed to have a fire in him that would not let let them lose. But the problem still for me is, on the other side, how did LeBron James not will his team to win? I even felt in the, watching the last four minutes of the game, LeBron James just didn't seem to have it. Anthony Davis just didn't seem to have it. I mean, come on, 15 points out of Anthony Davis without Bam Adebayo playing? And my issue with that is that they never gave Anthony Davis the ball. Like, let's go back to game two. Lakers are cruising. Anthony Davis looks to be the best player in basketball And then with a few minutes left in the third quarter, they just went away from him. They stayed away from him in game three. And like, I think he is the trump card in this series. There isn't an answer for Anthony Davis on this roster or any other rosters. And I can't believe he was so minimally involved in the game plan. I just, I can't imagine that he was, even if you are minimally involved in the game plan how are you not saying give me the ball in the huddle i don't need kyle kuzma kcp calling for the ball you know uh marcus morris no i uh, excuse me keith morris we don't know i i actually think they switched you think so they switched I, keith yeah, morris. I think they pulled a parent <laughs> and um I, I i'm on the record about this that is marcus morris on the team 100 confidence he should be aggressive and whichever way it is either anthony davis was willing to accept that okay i'm just not getting the ball right now it's not my night whatever the case may be or the opposite that coach well lest we always say lebron is the coach and the gm and and on the court right yeah then lebron should be saying give him the ball yeah and you know that's where it's really kind of confusing to me is that what 
was that kind of an opportunity where Anthony Davis was supposed to take the reins over from LeBron? Because watching game one and two of that series, it seemed like that was about to happen. So to see just a stark difference in the change of the Lakers playing style, it was really shocking to me. And I wondered if this whole thing isn't just the Lakers trying to win a championship. It's the Lakers trying to win a championship that also nets LeBron the finals MVP. (laughs) Quite possibly. Uh, Jimmy Butler said that LeBron told him the Heat were in trouble in the first half. And so that's why Jimmy Butler, towards the end of the game, was yelling on the court, they're in trouble now, they're in trouble now. So I like that, that part of Jimmy's game, but at the same time, we don't want to wake a sleeping giant, right? Let them think they still have control of it. Just be quiet and let's try to win game four and game five. And then we can start to say they're in trouble now. But don't start talking trash after you win one game, right? Well, if you look into it, you, Jimmy Butler clarified in the post-game interview. He said that he was just repeating something LeBron said during the first quarter. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. And even LeBron has just said, like when asked about Jimmy Butler, he's, you know what? when I am retired from this game, I'm going to look back and I'm going to miss playing against guys like Jimmy. Like I think the mutual respect up here is through the roof. I think these guys love going against each other. They've been in the same division for a lot of their formative years, actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just think this is, you know, a, a basketball version of, you know, affection. I don't think it's any waking a sleeping giant. These are the, you won you had the best game score in the history of the NBA Finals. If that that's a historic occurrence, you're so entitled to talk a little trash right there. I've seen I've said worse trash talk after successfully buying eggs. <laughs> listen, listen. The trash talk is epic on both sides. That's the only thing that if we go back to the overall bubble that I'm most disappointed in is I wanted more open mic. I wanted to hear these guys going at it, and we don't hear enough of that. I think that they, you know, pumping in the crowd noise and this, that, and the other is just not quite the like I would hope for. But speaking of trash talking, uh, Tyler Hero made his little his curled sm- lip thing that he did. I don't know if you could do that on an AM1 layup. Like, do that on a three-pointer or a dunk. But an AM1 layup? Ah. Again, he's a guy, we love him because of his unbridled confidence. He's swinging a, a game of the NBA Finals. The Heat, they don't keep their emotions in check. Like, they're success- like they look demure in game one and two. They weren't chasing rebounds like the pit bulls they are. They weren't diving on the floor. And they all need to go to this sort of emotionally worked up place to play their best basketball. And I think you kind of saw them realize it yesterday. The dogs were back and they're going to need to have this attitude. And like the Lakers fans, they seem to get affronted anytime someone shows any emotion against their team. And it's like, <laughs> you don't have a monopoly on self-expression just because you're making a crappy space jam movie. <laughs> that is definitely true. Uh, it's almost like you don't have the right to be able to talk trash to us even though, even though uh, Jimmy Butler, 
had an historic game, the highest game score in NBA history. A game score is a rough measure of a player's productivity for a single game. He is second only to LeBron James with 42. LeBron James, 42.5 in game six in 2016. is Jimmy Butler, then LeBron James in 2018, then Tim Duncan in 2003, game one, 40.8, and Kevin Durant in 2018. So Jimmy Butler uh, really... Hey, listen, I'm excited for game four. We got some drama now, Joel. This is going to be fun. And if we're going to talk about like hero snarling, Jimmy Butler saying they're in trouble, you could pick five Dwight Howard things from any of the games that are worse than them. Like they're doing these little things. Dwight Howard's conduct has been unwatchable. I watched game two and three with Lakers fans and they, they are just so upset that Dwight is on this team and getting a ring with this team. He is the human asterisk. So I would like to say, okay, then let's get JaVale McGee back in there. Right. I mean, Uh, why not? Yeah. That's like, Hey, we can't have a Walmart in this town. We're building a Kmart. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. If I mean, Dwight, what is he doing? I mean, what is he doing right now? He's Play 14 minutes. For second career as a WWE superstar because he he doesn't deserve to behave the way that he does right now. And it kind of reminds me. I've only seen one other allegory for this from Alonzo Mourning <laughs> when he was he came back from his kidney ailment and then he's just started playing like a tough guy, knowing full well. No one would take a shot at him. Yeah. There's so much success and so much insulation around Dwight Howard. He's acting like a spoiled kid in this whole situation. I can't stand him. I don't know a Laker fan who can stand him. And you know what? We should ha- give him his own parade off the Santa Monica Pier. Jeez, man. Okay. All right. Tell us how you really feel about Dwight Howard. Let's look at some pick and props. You still got the Lakers as an NBA champion. If you didn't pick them already, you can get them at minus 1,667, or you can get the Heat at plus 850 on BetMGM. Hmm. You know, at those odds, if you were to even touch that Lakers game and you they were to somehow lose game four, that would be the worst emotional experience of your life. These odds tell me it's a flyer bet. Put a put a little bit on the heat. Enjoy it. Because this, this finals has been impossible to wager on from a game-by-game basis. Yeah. There's no. so many variables. The injuries alone for Miami, which we have to get into here. That's what I want to talk about the most, actually. But, um, you know, you don't know the identity of these teams. Miami's frantically trying to adjust and give different looks. So, yeah, I think a, that a small amount on the heat bet is the best way to enjoy the NBA Finals. If you're going to really bet the house on the Lakers in that situation, just bet LeBron for MVP. LeBron for MVP. You can get that at minus 189. You can get Jimmy Butler at plus 1100. Let's talk about those injuries in game four moving forward. Uh, now, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic gets some rest. Uh, the point spread on BetMGM is minus 7.5 for the Lakers at minus 110. Miami at plus 7.5 at, or 7.5, excuse me. I always say the point five at minus 110. Over under at 219.5 again. Money line, Miami plus 245. Lakers at minus 304. Do you see Dragic and Adebayo playing? And is that... 
a key for success for Miami to have them come back? Or is it something where Miami has learned to play without them now and figured out a formula of how to beat this team kind of going small ball? No, because I think you're just giving a bunch of different looks. Like emphasizing Kelly Olynyk was an adjustment that it forced the Lakers to do different things with their roster. And from from what I understand that Bam and Goron have wanted to play game two, they wanted to play game three, and it's actually the Heat holding them out of it. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Dragic might play is insane to me. That's a very serious injury. Like I could see Bam playing game four for sure, but like if Dragic plays, like there's no way he's got a complete tear in his plantar fascia. And, you know, that's the sad injury for me because like Dragic, even back to his beginning days, backing up Nash in the Phoenix Suns, he was a great playoff player. Like regular season, whatever. As a backup, he had a sleepy Floyd, 25 points in a quarter. And him getting injured like in the first half of his first NBA finals, finals game. Yeah. It was heartbreaking to me. It reminded me of like when Carson Palmer was quarterback of the Bengals and he got hurt on the first series of a playoff game against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Like why are sports the best story It's because of stuff like Dragic, the punch in the stomach, like realizing this guy worked his entire life, mastered a skill and is finally reaching the highest stage of his profession. His body gets in the way. That's a narrative. That's a better plot than most movies, especially what's coming out during quarantine. Yeah, I mean, that's really, it's really sad. I don't see him playing either, but, you know, I guess if you get Bam back, you know, and it changes, I think, the way this team plays, but maybe it is giving a different look for the Lakers that they can't say, okay, this is how they beat us in game three. We got to shut down Jimmy Butler. Now you can kind of shift that game plan to maybe more of, you know, a BAM focus for Miami to try to get some points. That is a possibility. Um, I just, man, I kind of like what you're saying. I just feel for any player who has an opportunity to play on this level in this championship uh NBA finals and they're they're done they're just they're just gonna miss out and that Jimmy Butler needed to win that game 100% like they gave the Dragic minutes to Kedrick Nunn and Nunn has been far and away the worst player in the NBA finals there's been times he can't get on the court he's getting his shot blocked multiple times which is hard to do as a guard he's Mm -hmm. made multiple easy turnovers and the moment just seems too big for him. So yeah, it's not just a Dragic injury. It's like the replacement for him isn't working, and Hero and Duncan Robinson aren't giving their best basketball by any means. The Olenek adjustment, thank God for that, and thank God for Jimmy Butler, you know, second highest game score in NBA Finals history. I can only imagine for someone like Nunn, you've got so much pressure to not only want to show how good you can be, but when you see Robinson and Hero playing out of this world at times, playing in key moments down the stretch, I mean, Duncan Robinson with that silky smooth three with like a minute and a half to go in the game, I mean, he just pulled up and just... It was just it was just a beautiful shot. And I just think you've got these two young guys 
who were showing. It was 32 seconds to go to make it 115-102. It was kind of the dagger shot by Robinson. I just feel like for none, you see these other guys um, maybe not so much taking away your minutes. I guess in many ways they are, but they're outshining you, and you probably just want an opportunity to show what you can do when you're not going to get it. Uh, game four, what are your predictions? Uh, your heart says what? Your mind says what? My my heart and mind tell me that Bam Adebayo will be back. You know, it's a neck strain, and I was looking at it yesterday. Neck strain, maybe it'd be a problem with me because I'm I'm Irish, so I've got a giant head. Bam, <laughs> he doesn't have a huge head. You know, I feel like that neck's got to be healing up nicely, so head and heart are in agreement, you know. And the heart says he keys Miami to a stunning close victory. My head says I should take every cent in every account I have with the books. You can find out which books at the props network and put it on the Lakers money line for game four. Lakers. Are you okay? Lakers money line at plus two forty five on bet MGM over under at two nineteen and a half. Um, yeah. Lakers money line minus three Oh four over under. In this game, I would probably skew under. There's going to be a lot of tensions in this game. They're going to be feeling each other out, and it's going to be like almost a Game 7 vibe. And we probably won't get a Game 7 in this series, so just savor that first quarter Tuesday night when things are still close. Thanks for correcting me. I said plus 245. That's the money line for the Miami Heat. Uh, Okay, Uh, I feel like I'm jinxing it. I already had a bad beat for me to pick the Lakers. Um, that I want to take the heat at plus seven and a half. I'm taking the over and uh, the money line on the Lakers. Beautiful. That's my that's my take. That's yeah, my the, take. The Lakers, if they give the ball to Anthony Davis, I don't think this Heat team can beat them. Unless like Duncan and Hero are hitting forty percent of their threes, you know. There's no answer for Anthony Davis. Maybe the Lakers will just kind of play through him tomorrow night. And I think that's a pretty good bet for them to find success. I mean, if, if you're right, if I guess in my mind to go back to it somewhat is that I just don't understand how you go away from Anthony Davis. Like what in their right mind said, that's what they should do they're not a basketball team they're a brand and the face of the brand is lebron james so what's best for them as a basketball team is somehow not what's best for the lakers organization and that's why this team drives me crazy they're gonna win the championship they didn't do anything right as an organization to get there and they haven't shown any of the like character traditionally reserved for championship teams they've got the two best players they can divvy up the pie however they want and i think that's how it's going to go down LeBron James attempted 16 shots, Kyle Kuzma 13, Morris 13. Next player in line is Anthony Davis with nine field goal attempts. And that's that can't a, happen in game four, right? Yeah, it's kind of on LeBron is the, you know, he's really the point guard of that offense and they need to establish him. Like the fact, the fact that Kuzma and Marcus Morris have those shot numbers pretty <laughs> insane to me. Like Kuzma was, he wasn't really present on the floor in game one and two. And now they're making the adjustment. Yeah. 
this uh, empty calorie small forward needs to shoot 13 times. That's crazy. You know what's even crazy, too, is I was watching the pregame open, and, like, Kyle Kuzma had a close-up. And this was before game one, actually. I was like, Kyle Kuzma gets a close-up shot over Anthony Davis? It just kind of threw me for a loop. Like, wait, did I miss something that I don't know about what Kyle Kuzma has been doing in the playoffs? I just, I don't know. I know it's a small thing, but somebody obviously is a Kyle Kuzma fan. Yeah, everyone on Instagram is a Kyle Kuzma fan. <laughs> Lakers fans, they think he's better than Ben Simmons, Brendan Ingram, any young forward in the league. They'll take Kuz. And you know what? Kuz is the luckiest guy in the world right now. Well, it is the one player that LeBron James, when he had on his GM hat, said, let's keep him. Let's get rid of the other young Lakers. Let's keep Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, because he can help. Set, he just wants Kuzma as a social media manager. He's, he, hey, Kyle, stick around. I'll give you some shots. Teach me how to appeal to Generation Z. All right, when we come back here, we have our last second shot, and it's going to be a long one. We got three great topics for you on the other side of the break. But first, are you betting on NFL or NBA this season? How about the French Open? Let me tell you something. When Hala went down, that was my that was my pick on the women's side. But, you know, still got uh, Rafa. Rafa Nadal. He may still get it on the men's side. Take some of the action to BetMGM. Why? Because for a limited time, BetMGM has a special signing bonus for Props Network listeners. All you have to do is create a new account at BetMGM and use the code JUSTSPORT20 to get a 100% match your first deposit up to $500. That's $500. Come on, you can do it. That's right. Just enter code JustSport20 and up to $500 bonus bankroll is yours. Cha-ching. Then you'll enjoy all that BetMGM has to offer, like earning $10 free bets every week in the Money, Money Monday Club, the multi-sport parlay boosters, and the new Edit My Bet feature, which allows players to change their bet tickets after they are submitted. Yeah, as I've said before, you can't beat that feature. That feature alone is why you want to be on BetMGM. Come on, you can change your ticket after the fact. We all want to do that. BetMGM Sportsbook is live for legal betting in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, and West Virginia. Try BetMGM with code JUSTSPORT20 now while offers last. Now, you must be 21 or over to bet. Do you or someone you know have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER today. All right, it's time for our last second shot, Joel. Let's start with the fact that I missed the NBA on TNT. Charles Barkley asking Jimmy Butler, don't you know where the barbershop is in the bubble? And Jimmy Butler's like, is that a question? Do you have a question? I mean, I just miss NBA on TNT. They're the best, the best there is in the business. They are the best there is in the business. And you know what? That studio staff, you got to bring the big desk next back next year. That's all we want. The social distance desk, it cr- brought so much joy into all of our lives. And like, we know Barkley's great. We know Kenny and Ernie is, are great. Shaq's also there. And I want to give a hat tip to Chris Weber, who's really just made a mark for himself as a color commentator during this postseason. I never liked Weber up to this year. I thought he's been tremendous. And I wow. miss, miss Weber in this finals. He's got the mustache going now. Chris Weber doesn't look like the Chris Weber I know. 
I, I am enjoying. So now what I do is I'm watching more NBA TV than I'm staying on with ESPN to watch their pre or halftime or post game. And not necessarily to say that ESPN is bad, but I just like those guys a little more. And I love that they're kind of doing that second screen during the game, which is an idea that I came out with. I uh, just want to know before ESPN ever did it. I came up with that idea. I wish I had been working at a network, but I enjoy just hearing the guys talk about the game as the game going is going on. We got to do that, Joel. We got to do it. Next year we're back, and maybe you sue Charles Barkley. I mean, he's he's thrown so many people through plate glass windows. He'll just settle it without seeing what the lawsuit is about, so you're probably going to be good there. <laughs> Charles Barkley is one of the the – the greatest sound machines of a foot. Can you name any former player from any other league that can rival Charles Barkley as, as good as he is as a comedic person, but also he's got, he's got a brain, right? He gets basketball. He says some intelligent things once in a while. And I agree. He is the greatest sound machine this side of Miami. And I feel like we're so lucky to live in the era of Yogi Berra 2.0. Yogi Berra? I, yeah. I mean, looking back, he has so many sayings that withstood the test of time, became like very important to culture as a whole. And, you know, it's just like his wisdom's passed around. And I feel like Charles Barkley's in a similar position where every sports fan knows when he opens his mouth, you pay attention. I mean, he does, even when he does golf and all those kind of things, I'm just like, this guy's gold. He's 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 comedy and sports gold. Yeah, and like if everyone can appreciate Charles Barkley. Like when he got arrested for a DUI, my mom's favorite thing is that he told the police officer, "Yeah, I'm just going over to get a blowjob." And he was just so honest all the time. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I've always been such a big fan. I made my first communion in a Charles Barkley jersey. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, how about big that? Fan. Which which team? Oh, Rockets, sun, Sixers, sun all the way. Suns. I'm, I'm showing my age here a little bit, but you know what? 93 Suns, they're every basketball fan's favorite team. The 93 Suns, Thunder, Dan Marley, Steve Nash. Wait, who was the? Kevin Johnson. He was the Kevin one. Kevin Johnson. That was Ke You're right. That was Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson had his worst year of the five. He's the one. He's the reason they didn't win that title. Not Barkley. Barkley had a great series. Kevin Johnson had the worst playoff series of his entire career against the Bulls there. So, was that Richard Dumas? Was he on that team? Richard Dumas, yeah. It was Richard the one, Dumas, wow. One year his drug problem didn't interfere with his playing career, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Man, he could ball 16 points a game as a he rookie. He could. And oh, was, man, could he ball. And they had that small ball lineup. Like <sighs> It came out, for sure, around 2015 with the, with the Warriors, but – in the early 90s, there were some great small ball teams, 93 Suns, TMC Warriors, and it was just yeah. a great brand of basketball, and I loved the way guards were so utilized. I, I definitely find that interesting that you say that because it's almost like a thing where this generation, um, or where we are today, I shouldn't say this generation, like you just forget the – you act as if what's happening today, like the small ball in, with the Rockets, like this is the first time that anyone has ever gone small ball. Like Daryl Morey is a genius. No, people have done it before. 
Yeah, and exa- exactly. And we saw the same thing. We saw guards dominate the 90s NBA, then the Shaq Lakers and the Shaq Heat and the Duncan Spurs came and brought back the big man. And that's kind of the narrative we've, we've seen this postseason. Yeah. Like, the final four centers were so key. And I think we do have a really nice showdown next year. I'm already looking forward to it. I know we didn't get Clippers, Lakers this year. Can we please? I'll, I'll start praying. I'll go back to church. I'll put on the Charles Barkley jersey. All I need is a Warriors-Lakers playoff series. Oh, now you want Warriors-Lakers. Okay, yeah. that would be fun. Yeah, we can. what an opportunity. Lakers win this year's championship, and now you get to root for the Warriors as an underdog. That's amazing. It is going to be an amazing time, especially if you throw in the Clippers there and the Rockets with the new coach. Let's see what they do there. Uh, Saturday night, I'm sitting at home waiting for Saturday Night Live to come back on. And what do I see is an NBA bubble draft. What did you think of, well, Saturday Night Live coming back in general, but more this NBA bubble draft? Uh, what, What grade do you give it? A through F, I'm giving it a straight C. Um, you know, the episode as a whole, I, I loved it. I would give it a surprising A. Chris Rock killed it. Megan the Stallion, visually stunning, with a message. That stupid name sketch had more laughs than it had any right. In a great weekend update. And as someone with a few friends who write on SNL, um, you know, when I think about the SNL bubble skit, I have to say... Um, you know, those writers really get paid a lot and it's a nice living, huh? Yeah. So they pay enough for them to put their name on a piece of trash like that sketch. I give it an F. There was one laugh in the whole thing and I thought it was a pretty weak, forced idea. What was your, what What did you, what was the one uh, line that you did laugh at? Oh, Kate McKinnon is looking for the WNBA finals. Yes, 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 that was yes. hilarious. <laughs> that was my favorite part too. And it was just like, you you had to throw it in there. And it was the only part that I liked of the entire skit. Okay, so you got some friends on SNL and I just, I have a hard time as long as SNL has been around that it's almost like tradition, but the not the ability where they still, I guess, have cue cards that you can't just look directly into the camera and read a prompter anymore with the jokes. I just don't, it throws me off the way they're looking off camera reading still. I just yeah. don't like it. But that's just because Chris Rock hosted this week and like Chris Rock, one of the best standups of all time when it comes to acting. He's a little lost. So that might have been what was informing that opinion, Jamoke. Possibly, because I know he's in the new Fargo and my dad's all excited about trying to watch it. But I just didn't think the skit was funny. I think they took, you know, you, you're, you've been off the air for months and this is what you come up with. I mean, I even wanted to see a few more cameos maybe would have made it better instead of just Megan the Stallion at the end. Yeah, and like we... Any bas that's a sketch, I guess, for basketball fans. Every basketball fan knows people aren't allowed in the bubble. That's the very idea. So just the conceit of the joke doesn't make sense to begin with. So if it's just play starting from an irrational place, like I didn't see anything to really generate humor. Like Michael Chase talking about the math of Donald Trump getting COVID. And there's no math in that joke. There's no tension. There's no building. There's no shared frame of reference to make the sketch work. F. Yeah. 
F, man. But overall, I am a fan of uh, Saturday Night Live. And I thought Jim Carrey wasn't bad as Joe Biden. Uh, Wasn't too bad. Wasn't too bad. Jim Carrey hit it out of the park. He, If you watch that debate Tuesday night, Jim Carrey did an amazing impression that got a huge laugh without moving a muscle. As someone who's done comedy for 10 years, that's one of the highest levels of mastery I've seen. Yeah. And I did forget the NBA bubble skit. I did like the coaches, the coach's wife who thought that no one was allowed in the bubble. I thought that was funny too. Yeah. I wish they could have just uh, given Mike Malone a shout out during that one, really put him on the (laughs) national stage. All right. Speaking of the national stage, the WNBA is on the national stage. They have their WNBA finals. The Seattle Storm are up 2-0 on the Las, and Las Vegas Ace. Excuse me. They won 93-80 to in game one. They won 104-91 to in game two. I think that they are going to sweep this series. The question that I have for you isn't just, are you watching? Are you interested? Is there a betting line that interests you as I've loaded up with four or five different questions in one? But just in general, I have always said that the best thing for the WNBA would be to play at the same time as the NBA. Pay these WNBA players the money they should be making so they don't have to go overseas. And whether you feel offended or not, because I could imagine people getting offended, similar to high school, when the girls' basketball team played at 5 o'clock and then the boys' team played at 7, that's what you should do with the WNBA and the NBA. Utilize the exact same arenas, have the fans come in early if you want to, watch the WNBA game, and then you can watch the NBA game. It's the best way to get the most amount of eyeballs on the W. Are you watching? Yeah, because they this is the best scheduling they've done the entire postseason. They have the WNBA game on at 7, and they have the NBA Finals game on at 9, 9.15. So, yeah, ESPN, ABC, they've really streamlined it nicely. And, you know, I... I think they do have that face of the league star. Like the Sue Bird story is really incredible. Sue Bird's just amazing. I see it being a sweep. And you know what? I see you kind of not wanting them to go overseas, but hasn't the WNBA kind of benefited from it? Like the the style of play in WNBA has gone up considerably since they started having their players play all over the world. It has, but I think, In the end, if you ask most WNBA players, I have former former WNBA player Monique Curry on some time ago. Last uh, week, I had Mati Ajavon. The WNBA, year after year, has the greatest collection of basketball players on the court at one time. And I just feel like I don't understand why we cannot get to a point where we understand that the WNBA should be where it should be the premier league. And I feel like instead they go on off to Fenerbahce or Moscow or, you know, uh, South Korea playing basketball instead of them playing here in America and putting the game on the biggest stage right along with the NBA. Yeah, but the international teams have better owners like teams in in Moscow, in Italy, like, you know, billionaires, they put their all their money and resources into it. WNBA owners, you know, who owns a WNBA team? 
Kelly Leffler, probably the worst person in our government right now. The league hates her, and she treats her her players absolutely hate her. So that all stems to ownership. Like the players put out a great product, but the fact is, the NBA was so desperate to get it off the ground for 10, 15 years in an effort to just get it started. They have some really bad people in place. Yeah, they do. I just. Man, I want them to do better. I, if I'm rooting for a team at the beginning of the year, Mo Curry and I both picked a Seattle Storm. We'll I will stick to that. But I am. Uh, I wish Liz Cambage was playing for the Los Angeles. Uh, I keep saying Los Angeles, Las Vegas Aces. But Angel McCautry, who has been one of the best players in the W for years, uh, has has kind of been spearheading Las Vegas Aces here. But Brianna Stewart, the best player in the W right now, uh, maybe, maybe better than uh maybe better than Sue Bird by the time the end of her career is over. But you know, realistically, Sue Bird is, you know, she if if there was a player that had their their silhouette in the logo in the WNBA, it would be Sue Bird, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe Maya Moore just given her contributions outside the court. And I think, you know, there's such a collection of activists in the WNBA that might carry some weight, but yeah, I think Sue Bird is probably a pretty good guess there. Yeah. Um, okay. We've done our WNBA talk. Joel, I've enjoyed talking the NBA with you. Uh, looking forward to the game tomorrow night, nine o'clock. Uh, I'm picking the Heat. You're picking. I think, I think they're going to do it. I, I'm changing my. I'm, I'm changing it up. I think the Heat are going to do it. I'm hoping we get seven games out of this. It's a conspiracy, right? The NBA needs seven games to make money off of this this bubble league. Absolutely. I'll put on the conspiracy hat, you know, that LeBron MVP take. I don't know if you I want to disclose this, but not really founded in fact too much. A lot of speculation on my behalf there. So, yeah, <laughs> let's put on the conspiracy hats. Let's watch four more basketball games. Then hopefully we'll get some more next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, heck, LeBron James walked off the court 10 seconds before the game is over. Maybe Maybe game four, he won't even show up for most of the game and just hand the Heat one more game so we can get a best out of three. Yeah, and then if they lose, you know, for sure they're going to give him the MVP. So if you're listening, LeBron, no, I, I would advise it. I would advise it. Joel, thank you very much. I had a wonderful time as usual. Uh, I'll be watching for you on the walk-on. All right. Well, what, what what do we have on tap for the next show? Oh, have you read this new Lakers book, Three Rings? No, I have not. They've only won three rings. Well, this was a story of the Shaq <laughs> Kobe teams, and I have Jeff Perlman from Old School Sports Illustrated. He's the author. He's coming on to talk about it, and I've got a lot of really fun questions for him. The Three Rings. Uh, yeah. I I give it a five out of five. It's the most fun I've had reading a sports book this year. It's like easily consumable. I took it down in a night. In a night? Oh, dude, there's the most. It's like David Halberstam had a baby with TMZ. It's like really good reporting, but also juicy as hell. Now, are you talking about the Three Ring Circus? Is that it? it yeah, well, that's the reference, but it's about it tells us the story of the Lakers from 94 to 2004. 
So there's a lot of great Kobe behind the scenes stuff. He wrote it before Kobe passed. So it's not really too colored with, you know, the way people talk about him now. Cause right. It, right. There was a big difference in how Kobe was perceived back in January. So I, it's, I think it's important to basketball history that that chapter is chronicled and yeah, just a really fun read. There's, an entire chapter on Cedric Zabalos, where he's a huge punchline. Nick Van Axel's story wow. is incredible. And there's a story about J.R. Ryder getting a getting a flat tire, not going to practice, even though they were in a hotel and his car was parked next to the practice facility. So I'm, I'm excited to get into that. Okay, well, I am definitely going to be watching the walk-on. I'm now going to have to get this book so I can read it, especially if it's a good read and it's got some good behind-the-scenes uh, takes on the Lakers. Thanks, Joel. Thank you. Great talk to you, Jamoke. I'll see you soon. All right, talk to you later. And that'll do it for Just for Sport here. I hope you've enjoyed an hour talking NBA basketball with me and Joel Walkowski. Uh, the NBA season, luckily, we get at least two more games. At least we get two more games in the NBA Finals, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for watching on the Props Network, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. We appreciate the support, and of course, you can listen to the podcast wherever you listen to your pods on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, iHeartRadio. Make sure you leave a review. I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now. <laughs>